0: The internet destroyed the ability of, of, of magazines and newspapers to be supported by ads, meaning that once there was an internet, the advertisers discovered something that we knew anecdotally, is that people never read the ads. There were no clicks on the ads. If it said in Mercedes $300, people would click. But m- normally, they don't click. And for that reason, advertising rates plummeted. So that you, what, what you had for many years, PJ Media operated at a loss, uh, but it was not alone. National View operated at a loss. So it, it's, it's, it's tricky. On the other hand, if, if you are able to survive, it's a victory because, after all, we're getting those views out this is what it's about.
1: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. This gentleman is an iconic individual in the world of arts and letters. He has been a best selling novelist, he's been an Academy Award nominated screenwriter, and he is the founder and former CEO of PJ Media. And now he is the CEO, Emeritus, of that company. And he has a brand new book out today, which we're going to talk about on the show. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Roger L. Simon. Welcome to the show, Roger. Pleased to be here, Ricky. Really great to have you on, my friend. So, Roger, I know a little bit about you. I've been following your work, especially on PGA Media. I read your columns on a regular basis. But... The person listening to this show, my audience member, may not know who you are. They may not know all the amazing and incredible things that you've done. And they listen to this show because they want to learn from you. They want to know who you are. They want to buy your books. They want to learn your wisdom. Tell us your backstory. Tell us how you got to be the great Roger Simon.
0: Well, rather than tooting my own horn too much, I'll, I'll say that like everybody else, I've just been trucking along. But it's been a long truck and an interesting, strange trip. I am what is sometimes referred to as a 9-11 conservative. I was kind of well-known on the left as a young person. I I went to Hollywood at a very young age, like early 20s, and became a screenwriter and made more money than I should have, because in those days, anybody could. It wasn't really a big deal. It may sound like it, but it wasn't so much. But uh, I was a guilty kind of guy, and I did such... Bad things is I gave money to the Black Panther Party. which gives you an idea wow. of how far wow. left I might have been. So I, you know, I knew people like you, but I, and in the end, I, I sort of woke up. Not in the modern sense of woke, which is absurd, but in the real sense of woke. But it took me uh, quite a number of years. But in the, in the in the process, good things happened. You know, I wrote a series of detective novels about a character named Moses Wine who was pretty left wing, but then became less left, 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 left wing as he got older, like a lot of people. And one of them was made into a successful film called The Big Fix with Richard Dreyfuss.
1: Oh yes, yeah, sure, I know that movie. Right,
0: And then I wrote um, some other movies, including uh, Busted Loose with Richard Pryor, which was an amazing experience working with this guy.
1: Oh my God, Richard Pryor is one of my one, one of my idols in comedy. He's incredible.
0: Well, you know, he's he was one of my idols when I was working for him, which is an odd situation. In fact, you know,
1: in those days,
0: everybody regarded Richard Troyer correctly as the king of comedy. He really was the best stand-up maybe ever. Yeah. And so he was used to having people idolize him who worked with him. It was an interesting situation. But he actually, he turned out, he was a very good guy, but quite crazy. I, I worked with him during the period when he, uh, your, your some of your audience may remember, he practically burned himself to death. yeah. That overdose of crack cocaine. Yeah, he was, he was quite crazy, but really quite nice, and not the slightest bit racist. I mean, he was a, a pick a character of those days when you know when the races were getting along better. These days they get along worse. It's a bad progression. Anyway, um, so that was you know I had this Hollywood career. I got an Academy Award nomination for adapting a novel by Isaac share a singer called Enemy's love story that Angelica Houston was in and it's a, a very good Holocaust movie I also made some movies that were terrible but everybody does and I was writing these Moses wine novels but then uh, a little came 9/11 and I remember getting up that morning and watching the uh, the plane flying into the buildings that I knew well yeah and my life changed quite a bit um, I started blogging. Shortly thereafter, uh, kind of a, in imitation of a person who become, became a very good friend of mine, named Glenn Reynolds, the instaponent. and you know the rest is kind of a strange history because I I, I had gone online because I was going to promote a novel that I could tell the publisher Simon and Schuster was mixed about, and you get to you get to know this with publishers if you're a writer, and. I thought if I had this blog, it would promote the book. Well, it didn't promote the book very well, but the blog took off sensationally because I talked very honestly about going through a political transformation. Most people don't do that. Uh, But those days, this is around 2003, 2004, there were a lot of people doing that. And so this blog became kind of a headquarters, I would say, for that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, And what evolved out of that uh, through connections I very quickly made with other people doing this new form, was Pajamas Media, which we formed, and I became the the initial CEO. And then Pajamas Media evolved into PJ Media, and then it was recently sold um, to Salem Entertainment, that is a large conglomerate of conservative talk radio and other conservative websites like Town hall. Sure. So I started a company that survived, which is you know, what is it, 2019 now? So it made it for 15 years. Not everybody can say that. But recently I've gone back to my first love, which is writing novels. And it turns out what people tell me is I got better at it rather than worse. I was afraid, you know, I was rusty, but so that means I worked doubly hard on on a novel called The Goat, which is not overtly conservative book it's I i don't think novels or
1: movies should be political overtly no they shouldn't it ruins them
0: <laughs> They should be first good at what they are one of the big mistakes that conservative artists make is try to bludgeon you with their viewpoint and audiences don't like that i mean it doesn't work artistically because you don't have the famous willing suspension of belief that we remember from high school maybe sure <laughs> anyway the goat is a is a story set in the world of big time tennis, which is a sport I played all my life, let's say, uh, in a semi mediocre level, you know, trying to make it a college team, but not quite making it. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> I it totally get it. I resemble a, that remark for other sports.
0: This is a story, yeah. Uh, this is a story of a guy um, who, in his 70s, finally, after all his life, he's a, a semi retired screenwriter, graphically, who finally makes it to the finals of the seniors tournament in his club. You know, it's not exactly Willowden, but he's finally made it. In the opening game, he his back goes out unbelievably. He's rushed to Cedarside Our Medical the center. They say, operation is absolutely necessary. We've got to fix this. Every rib is dead, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a woman from India or Nepal or somewhere in the corner cleaning later. Cleaning lady, she says, do not do operation always makes worse. Because <laughs> cousin Gambo in Valley, he picks up. Now, this is a West, Western guy, of course. So he has the operation. And boy, was she right. It makes it a lot worse. He can hardly move. Uh, he's stuck in his house. He thinks his life is over. He's virtually suicidal. So he gets into a car, barely able to drive anymore, goes out to the Valley, to, and he meets this guy Gambo with a shopping mall in was who's an Ayurvedic doctor from the Himalayas, and he starts to give him herbs. And he starts to get younger, And I'm not going to tell you what happens from there. But a new chrysalis arrives, called Jay Reynolds, who goes on to battle Nadal at the French Open. Wow. So uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of a. One of the people who reviewed it already, the earlier reviews are the best ones I've ever had. They're from uh, from the, the Paraline group that you may know. Uh, it's one of the best blogs in the country, and they said it's Faust meets Damn Yankees, and <clears throat> that's kind of what it is. It's the old story of you know, of a guy who meets a devil type character who uh, gives him a second life, but it's funny too, and it's. It's got a poignant thing at the end. So all I can say is you can get it right now uh, in the ebook edition on Amazon. Uh, you can not get it, but it's pre. It's all coming out September 1st. But you can pre-order the ebook now, or order the paperback and the hardback on September 1st. And That date is chosen, by the way, to be in concert with the U.S. Open, where I'm going to promote the book in a couple of weeks.
1: I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. So, so Roger, I tell you what, if uh, I can order 20 books somehow through you or your, your, uh, your, your team to have you sign them for my clients, I'll do it. Um, Let's, let's make that happen.
0: Yeah, we can probably make that, you know, it's all through, you know, Ingram is the place that does all the hardbacks. If you want to do paperbacks, yeah, we
1: can do hardbacks. It's all good. I, I buy. I, I give away about a thousand books here to my clients. Uh, yeah. No Easy. joke. I buy. I usually buy remaindered books and things like that to save on costs. But uh, I buy quite a few that are brand new as well. Uh, John Maxwell just had a, a new book out called Leadership, and a uh, guy here in Canada by the name of Brian Scudamore. I don't know uh, if you've heard of him, but he has a company called One Eight Hundred Got Junk. Basically took the junk removal business from mom and pop shops to a billion-dollar-a-year business. He wrote some books. So we, we definitely order books like that from folks. This sounds like a cool book. I'd love to read it myself. I, I'm on Goodreads, uh, both as a participant and an author, uh, although I've self-published all my books so far. Uh, one, one of my goals, one of my bucket list goals is to have a properly published book before I die. Um, well, it, you know,
0: actually, this is interesting. I've reverse it you. This is my first self-published book out of 13. Wow. I had 12 books published by, you know, everybody from Simon and Schuster to Random House. But I decided I was going to try the new way. And now I don't know whether the results will be better or worse. We're going to find out. So far, they've been pretty good. You know, I, I won't know for another month or six weeks, but I actually think you might be Make a mistake, the wave of the future, I think, is self-publishing.
1: Okay, all right, I'm I'm open. <laughs> I'm coachable. <laughs> um, is,
0: but I, I, you know, no one knows, but but uh, the reason I think it is is we've reached an age where you, the writer is an entrepreneur, and um, you, you want to reach your own audience. Yeah, cultivate I, that. It's a lot of work. I mean, you know, the publishing houses supposedly do the work for you, but it's been my experience
1: that they don't. No, I get it. I get it. I um, I think I told you I'm going to Steve Pressfield's event in uh, in Knoxville, in Nashville, mm-hmm. sorry, Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, on September fifteenth. And uh, I love I love his books, his his fiction, fictional books. But my favorite book that he wrote was The War of Art. That book opened my eyes. As to what it really means to be a writer, and ever since I was a little boy, I wanted to be a best-selling author. You know, that's 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 been my my goal. And 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 I've written books. I kind of dabbled in it, but I've been a business guy. You know, I, I help people become sought after, and I've written a few books to help promote me inside the business. My latest book is is a parable similar to. Do you remember Og Mandino who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World? Hmm. So it's something like that. But uh, I, I, I love writing. I love reading, and I, I love the idea of um, uh, of speaking to great uh, writers like you. Uh, because it, uh, A, it inspires me, but I think it inspires every single one of my listeners, because my listeners tend to be entrepreneurs. They tend to be folks who run their own business, service-based businesses. They're like coaches, consultants, writers, speakers. Maybe they own a, a wellness clinic or what have you. But every single one of them wants to make a bigger difference for more people. Every single one of them wants to grow their business. And almost all of them Uh, at least secretly want to speak and write (laughs) to, or they are speaking.
0: uh, There's all a relationship because writing is entrepreneurial, except you're by yourself in a a room a lot, but it's, but it is entrepreneurial. I mean, because if you don't start it yourself, no one's, I mean, I look, I've written for Hollywood movie studios under contract. And when I came up with my own stuff, it was always better than when people told you what to write. Not always, but you know, usually. That uh, it, it it has to come out of you, and and for an entrepreneur, I'm sure you know, a great idea for a
1: business comes out of them. It does. It totally does. It totally does. Although I got to go watch your Richard Pryor movie all over again, man. It's been like 30 years since I watched it. I think.
0: One <laughs> that <laughs> stands up best is the one you never heard of. The one that won all the prizes. And
1: a love story. Yeah, that's the that's a good movie. I'll I'll check that out too. I'm I'm a movie buff and a book buff, so what can I tell you? I've uh, I've recently discovered James Elroy's work uh, this year, and I I read I read um, Clandestine, which is one of his earlier novels, and I got hooked. I bought every single book he ever wrote, pretty much, and uh, I think I'm like 13, 14 books in so far. Uh, I used to know him when I was writing
0: mysteries. It would be a lot of mystery guys oh, together. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, interesting character. Yeah, yeah, he looks like it's it. The life story is similar to, the, uh, you
1: know, he. Yeah. I believe his mother was murdered. His yeah. mother was murdered in California, yeah, around the time of the Black Dahlia murders back in the 40s, which he wrote about. But he's a brilliant writer. Oh, my God. His writing just grabs you by the throat and it doesn't let go. I mean, I can sit down and read three, 400 pages in one sitting with this guy. He's he's phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to... to reading GOAT. I'm looking forward to giving it to some of my clients. If, if you're uh, up for it, we sometimes have some of our guests do a, a Zoom or Skype kind of presentation to our folks at our events. We have a mastermind that we run once a quarter. If you're available, it'd be uh, great uh, to I have you I have it. <laughs> so sure.
0: I yep. mean, uh, by the way, when people don't realize it, the GOAT is not like a billy goat.
1: It's a it's a great greatest tennis. of all time.
0: It's the sports term. Yeah, yeah. The
1: greatest. greatest of all time. Sure. Yes. I, I got that right away. I got that right away. You spelt it with capital letters, right? That that means greatest of all time. The first time I heard that phrase in a sports context was Maurice Greene, who won the 100 meters at the Olympics in Sydney in 2000. He got a tattoo goat on his arm. And everyone was looking at that going, what the hell does that mean? What does that mean? And then he said, that means greatest of all time, man. And <laughs> everyone just laughed. 100 meter runners have a lot of swagger. I used to I used to be in business with Donovan Bailey, you know, and those 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 guys really believe they're the best. I guess you have to uh, to win at that uh, at that level, but it's it's a great title for a book. I love it. So, the book's coming out on September 1st, and I think the book's going to do really really well. I'm looking forward to reading it and uh I think our folks are, are, are really going to enjoy it. I'll, I'll make sure that we uh, get this interview out for you uh, relatively quickly so that you can take advantage of that. And we'll uh, we'll post it on all our social media. But uh, I, I love the articles that you've written on PJ Media as well. I mean, you're very insightful and what you think about it. One of the things that I believe makes someone a thought leader is that they, 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 have, they have to read, they have to think, and they have to put their thoughts down in a form that people can understand them. You've done that very well. Can you talk a little bit about your, your, your process on getting, getting your thinking to cohere and then putting it out there in a way that people want to consume it?
0: Well, try. I mean, part of it is, I, I started, as I mentioned to you earlier, I started this blog back in... Um, in 2003-ish. And I just started being very reactive. And I didn't realize at the time, because in previous to that, I had written a little bit of journalism, but not very much. I mean, really, I had written for the New York Times in their book review section. I would write, you know, profile type stuff. and But it, I largely did it to promote my books. And then I would write book reviews for them and for San yeah, Francisco Chronicle right. and a few other places, and, and that was about it. And uh, but I always had a hankering to do some kind of journalism. Uh, but what happened was, no particular now since since nine eleven, everything has been fairly electric. You know what I mean. Yeah. So when I when I go through the process of writing a. A piece for PJ, or I've been doing them lately for Epic Times and and for the Federalist and various outlets, and for Real Clear Politics, of course. My process is is to look what's bothering me first. What sure. in the cases of this kind of stuff, it's almost always a contemporary news event. But I try to take a you know what was an old game we used to take about scissor steps and baby steps and everything? I try to take a a at least a baby step backwards and look at the larger what it really means. That's my say because the first uh, the first process is oh I hate that S O B. Why do he do that? Or God, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I think people can relate to it. I mean, it's like everybody wants to throw a shoe at the television screen. All right, so. It's not particularly helpful to people or to a writer to throw a shoe back. What you have to do is take a few more steps back and figure out. Step one is, why do you want to throw that shoe? And if so, is there a way to express this that goes deeper than just screw so-and-so? And -so? so that's as much as I can tell you about my process of that. I usually write these pieces at around ten o'clock at night, which is and so much against my fiction writing or screenwriting, I, I would always do in the morning throughout most of my life. But somehow, I, because I was always on a deadline, I was running the thing. I had to have a lead article, and I'd be up until one in the morning doing something. And then I hit the send button without an editor. I mean, it can be in the beginning. It was pretty ragged. I have to tell you. But one of the interesting things about the Internet is that you've got a lot of
1: editors out there. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. No, I, I 100% get that. So well, I, 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 people I, who make a living off trolling off my site. Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons that I was I was attracted to reading PJ Media stuff is you know, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm I'm a Christian from the Middle East, I'm from Iran. After the Islamic mm-hmm. Revolution, my family decided it would be better for us to live in the West. There was starting to be a lot of le- legal discrimination against against Christians. I, I uh, ha- have very little tolerance for these folks today that just go around screaming everybody's uh, a racist, a sexist, a homophobe. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Come to Iran, I'll show you what real racism, what real sexism, what real homophobia looks exactly. like. Exactly. You know? shut, like, shut, the, shut the frig up, basically, is what I say to people who make those things. I actually think they're, they're doing a disservice to real victims. Right, I, I couldn't agree with you more. One hundred percent, right? So I was attracted to PJ Media because you and some of the other writers on that site. Espoused that philosophy, and I I knew that you had been a man of the left in, in in the past, and I remember reading some of the pieces in which you talked about that, and 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 you talked There's about a book. Cool. turning right at Hollywood Bar. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read the book, but okay, that's great. I'll, I'll you know what I'm 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 gonna go order a bunch of your books and and, and start reading them as, uh, so that I can get well versed in in what you've done there, but. I'll tell you, it it was something that just spoke to me. And, and then I, I did a little bit of research, and you guys had like millions of readers. I'm like, wow, man, these guys are doing something right. And for me, looking at this is powerful because... You're you're speaking your truth. You're coming from passionately wanting to make a difference for people and educate them and and, and help enrich and enhance their lives, and you've been able to build a wonderful business <laughs> through it, which is frankly what well, we yeah, what yeah, we I teach people to do. <laughs>
0: I'll, be, I'll, I'll be frank about the business end of that. It's it's good enough to survive, which is in the media that's a lot. But one of the problems of the internet uh, that I lived through because I I started the company is that. The internet destroyed the ability of, of, of magazines and newspapers to be supported by ads, meaning that once there was an internet, the advertisers discovered something that we knew anecdotally, is that people never read the ads. There were no clicks on the ads. If it said in Mercedes, $300, people would click. But m- normally, they don't click. And for that reason, advertising rates plummeted. So that you, what, what you had for many years, PJ Media operated at a loss, uh, but it was not alone. National View operated at a loss. And on the left, the nation has always
1: operated at a loss. Not surprised the nation's operating at a loss. Well,
0: <laughs> I can blame you. On that level, we, we come from a different perspective. We disagree. On the other hand, as you well know, there are a number of people who agree. So, from both sides, no one has figured out how to make even the New York Times. is, You know, stocks gone down. So oh, it's yeah. it, it's it's tricky. On the other hand, if if you are able to survive, it's a victory because after all, getting those views out is what's about.
1: No, a hundred percent. I'll I'll tell you, I have a, a theory about this. I don't know if I'm if I'm right or I'm wrong, but. My my theory is this, that content right now needs to bring in a certain demographic and psychographic profile of person in that is looking for what you are offering. But you also need to start to find advertisers that solve the kinds of problems that your readers have, right? And problems that they consider to be what one of my mentors calls a bleeding neck problem. So a level 9 or level 10 problem, one that they absolutely have to solve. They want to solve, they're motivated to solve it. And I think if you can find a way to get really clear on who is your reader, who is your audience, and you start to find advertisers that offer solutions to problems that they have, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be interested in what your advertisers have to say, and you can charge them more for it. And you can even tailor some of the work that you do to bring those people in and be interested in listening to the messages that your advertisers have. So as an example, if – and I'm making this up, but if there's an internet site that has a lot of stories that are attracting men who are entrepreneurs in their mid-40s that are going through a divorce, um, (laughs) you know – Be really, really cool to bring in an organization that caters to that demographic's keenest problems, which are probably dealing with the pain of the divorce, finding ways to become more self confident, get in better shape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, those are some of my thoughts.
0: That's indisputably true. Uh, What we faced, and we investigated that idea on PJ Media and tried things out. Of course, we had a general interest news site. And in that sense, you know, we, you, we were looking for fancy advertisers. You know, you know they're, they're, it's tricky. And, you know, being on the right, as you know, creates its own issues. Volvo doesn't necessarily want to advertise. Sure
1: yeah no i get it these uh a lot of these companies are scared uh out of their wits by uh by the left right now and and it's it's making it difficult but there's up-and-coming companies will be very interested in getting eyeballs (laughs) a lot of yeah yeah
0: i mean i I know i get a sense of the audience you have and i think that's very true for me i mean we we had different issues but for your audience it's absolutely
1: true yeah One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So, Roger, I'm I'm really enjoying this conversation and uh, I'll definitely connect with you offline to connect you with my uh, fabulous better half who works with me about seeing if you can do a Zoom talk for our people in October. I think it'll be great. We're going to pick up some copies of your book and get it to our folks hand signed by you, which I'm very excited about. Um, But we like to end off each one of our interviews by asking you as our expert Guest, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on in their business and their life so they can take it to the next level? So, what say you? Whoa,
0: well, you know, I've just been reading Victor Frankel's book about the, about his experience in the Holocaust. So, it's Man's a search for Meaning? The search for meaning, and I think you you nailed it. It's an incredible book. I should have read it twenty five years ago or more, but. Uh, you know, I, I think he hits it, the number one, which is, which can be boiled down to do your passion in life. You only go around once. I mean, Very see, true. It, it's not going to happen, you know, except if you read The Goat, you see what happens when it goes around twice. But <laughs> it's not to go around twice. And what you need to do is... Is is just go for it. I mean, what do what you love. That's the first thing. And even and and stay with it. Even if you lose a few times, which everybody does. You know, if you really love it, you'll, you'll get somewhere. And and it's the, the process that counts anyway. Now what's the the other two more pieces of advice? I don't know. Wow, you should have given me an advance on this. The question on this, because I you know I you know, the famous one is from uh, the 2,000-year-old man, never run for a bus, there'll always be another. <laughs> no, that's true. That's Mel Brooks', that's Mel Brooks line I'm on I
1: love it. Um, I love it. It's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, there's some truth to it. I mean, that is, you know, there's a lot to, that's kind of what I would call Jewish Zen. I learned a lot from Zen Buddhism. Not that I'm a Zen Buddhist or any kind of anything at all, but I I read a lot of it. And, you know, and also, you know, another recent piece of reading of mine which is similar, ironically, is reading about the Roman Stoics, Marcus Aurelius. And there's kind of Zen, too. And And that is, don't go to extremes in life. In other words, don't think everything is as bad as it looks or as good as it looks. Because it's rarely either of those things. That's very true. I mean, you're going to have good and bad times, but if you look at the at the two ends of it and you believe those ends, you're you're going down a hole because you know there's also great exp- expression in Zen: thought instant to thought instant, heaven to hell. And if we look at our own minds, you know, within seconds we can our mood can be like at least I can, if I'm not being disciplined in the Zen sense. Uh, I can go from the worst despondency to uh, euphoria and nothing in the real world has changed. It's still the same tree out there and everything. And I think this helps entrepreneurs too because you know, just keep doing what you're doing because the actual process of doing it is the pleasure.
1: Very true, very, very true. Roger, those are three fantastic expert action steps and listener. So if you're one of my clients in my exclusive uh, Mastermind eCircle circle Academy, you're going to be getting a copy of Roger's book because I'm buying it for you and he's going to sign it for you. But if you're not, go to Amazon, go to other book platforms, make sure that you pre-order the book, you pick up a copy of it, The Goat. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Roger's The Real Deal This man is an Academy Award-nominated screenwriter. He has written over a dozen books prior to this one. Actually, an even dozen prior to this one. So this is his 13th book. Pick up a copy of this book. And in fact, do more than that. Pick up 10 copies. Pick up a copy for yourself and pick up 10 copies to give away to friends, family, clients, people that you care about. One of the most important things, if you listen to this show, is... We believe that in order for you to be a leader, a thought leader, you need to be a reader. Leaders are readers, right? It's in a super hundred percent, right, Roger? I mean, a hundred percent. So make sure that you pick up a copy for yourself and 10 copies to give away to people. Let's support Roger in his first foray into self-publishing, and let's make sure that uh, this book gets a lot of good word of mouth because, you know, this 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 man has done yeoman work, and I'm sure this novel is going to be a phenomenal. I'm looking forward to reading it, my friend. Thank you so much. And listener, if you're listening to the show and you're wondering to yourself, wow, Roger sounds amazing. But is it possible for me to be the best version of myself and for me to go after my dream and make it actually come true? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, it is. And if you want to know how to do it, you you need to become known and sought after. And if you want to know how to do that, very simple. Go to our website, eCircleAcademy.com. You can click on one of two buttons there, either schedule a success call, which is to get on the phone with myself, or watch my webinar masterclass where we go deeply into what it takes to become sought after. Make sure you do this. It's absolutely free to get on a call with me. It's absolutely free to watch this webinar masterclass. We want you to have everything possible to stack the deck in your favor so that you can live life as the best version of yourself and you can make the kind of money that you deserve to make. Roger Simon, thank you so much for gracing our humble show with your presence, sir. It's been a real honor to have you on. Thank you, it was fun. Absolutely. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only Roger Simon, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. And to jump on a call with myself or watch the amazing webinar masterclass that I have, go to ecircleacademy.com. Until next time, goodbye.